G'day friends, we're here to talk about round seven today, very exciting round of football. Uh, we had, uh, well, two of the equal smallest winning margins of the year with two one-point games, and then we had the two biggest margins of the year as well with Melbourne uh, and Carlton winning by 90 plus and 100 plus points respectively. Um, also very, very big news in the last couple of days. Uh, finally, the AFL uh, has appointed uh, Andrew Dillon as the new CEO uh, to take over from Gill at the end of the season. So Gill's going on like 18 months longer, <laughs> well, 18 months after he announced he was going to finish up. Um, but it's good that they finally announced that. It was probably always going to be him. Uh, a few other candidates rolling around, but it ends up being him. I think he'll do a great job. Uh, and this has also uh, come in line with the funding announcement for the Tasmania Stadium. And of course, today, the Tasmania team, the 19th license that is happening. Uh, and they've gone with 2028 as the start date. So five years away, uh, it gives them another year to get that 20th license happening, which it, I have no doubt it's going to happen. I think the 20th team will come in either 2029 or 2030. It will follow shortly after. They're not going to want to go too long uh, with an uneven, an uneven number of teams. They've obviously done it before, but yeah, not for a very long time. So yeah, I think, it, look, it's going to be a third Western Australian or a third South Australian team. I don't think... Um, we're in any place at the moment to have a Northern Territory team and there's really nowhere else that like they're not going to add an extra team to Queensland or Sydney because their, their second teams haven't even really caught on yet. Um, and I'd be surprised if they went with an 11th Victorian side as well. So that, that I have no doubt will happen. But yes, there's a lot of uh, really exciting news in the AFL this week, but we're here to talk about the footy. So let's get into it. First up, let's talk about one of those one-point games. Let's talk about Sydney and the Giants. Toby Green, what a superstar. What a superstar. Standalone captain now of the Giants, and he's doing such a good job. He's playing some of the best football of his career. Um, he, he's in all-Australian form for sure, and he won this game uh, in the dying seconds with that snap Uh you know, from that forward stoppage, unbelievable goal. Um, the the Giants are not perfect. Um, they're, they're getting they're not getting a lot of love uh, from from footy media with how they play. But I, I said I think a couple of weeks ago that I really like how they play. I actually do. I think they're playing the right way, um, and you can tell because they're they're winning some games. They're not winning every week, but, you know, they've won a couple of close ones now, which is really good. Um, they've beaten a good team in Sydney. Um, it's it's interesting how the stat went around that the last four times 
um, the Giants have won the the Battle of the Bridge. It's been by two points or less. <laughs> so um, they like to win a close one over the Swans. Very, very exciting game. It was actually a, an excellent game. Like both teams scoring over 100 points. That, ha- that happened actually twice in this round. Um, but it doesn't happen very often with the sort of in- general increase in scoring in the AFL. I think we'll see it a little bit more often. But yeah, it's a, it's a rarity and it was pretty... Exciting. Um, Sydney. Oh, they really needed to win this one. Oh, that's not good. They obviously really disappointing last week against the Cats. Um, they just had to win this game. They had Buddy back in. They had Tom McCartan back in. Oh, gee whiz. They're in, they're in trouble. They're a bit of a mess. Um, they're a mess inside defensive 50. I think not having Rampy there to really sort of direct traffic is hurting them quite a lot. Um, you can see around especially defensive 50 stoppages just how the Giants were outnumbering them and, you know, getting forward, like running past them unmanned. It was really, really poor. Um, the fact that Toby Green didn't have anyone all over him at that stoppage was pretty amazing. I love how Dermot called that, like, I absolutely cannot stand Dermot as a commentator because he's always on special comments. And there's, I don't think there's anyone in the AFL who loves the sound of their own voice more than Dermot Brereton. He is just an unbelievable tool, but you cannot question his knowledge of football because he saw what was going to happen before it happened. That stoppage was coming together and and he goes, Toby Green's going to have time to get to this. Watch out. And then Toby kicked the winning goal. So he fucking knows his stuff, Derm. He's just such an unbelievable wanker. I can't can't handle him. Um, Yeah, but Sydney, they're also still too buddy-centric. 13 times they went to him inside 50 and I think the next most was five or four even, which was Logan McDonald. So... They're way too reliant on a 35-year-old. Um, they need to be going to McDonald most of the time. They need to be look. They need to be exploring um, a little bit more variety, a little bit more unpredictability. Using like these guys like Haywood and Heaney, and like having some of their midfielders rotate forward just to be less predictable. Going to Franklin every single time, like and and. He actually played pretty well, buddy, but it helps when you're getting the ball kicked to you every single time. So, you know, if, if they want to... Because this season is slipping away from them. It, they've got the pies this week. I don't see them winning that the way they're going at the moment. So another loss and the season is very close to gone. They're, they're, they're in serious trouble. Um, you don't want to be, you know, sliding as we go into the shit part of the year. They don't want to have to wrestle back a positive win-loss ratio as they're coming into the buy and all that. Like it's they're in serious, serious trouble. And another worrying thing: so contest has has not been Sydney's strength. They've been able to win games the last couple of years in other ways, but when they have won contest, they have not lost the game. They if you lose to Sydney. In contest last few years, they they've beaten you, right? Um, Sydney won the contest in this game, which doesn't happen very often, but they still lost the game. So I, I don't know what that means, <laughs> but I just thought that was interesting. Um, 
it, it stood out to me on the page and yeah I just it's a worry in some way or another I don't know need david king to tell me what that means all right let's let's do the two shellackings from saturday night so melbourne and north melbourne first i mean what you can say about both these games is they don't tell us a fucking thing um <laughs> like we haven't learned anything from either of these games other than the north and west coast are really struggling which we already basically knew um north melbourne oh that this this zone that they're doing, I don't know what Clarko's plan is. You kind of have to trust him because he's Clarko, but gee whiz, it's ugly early. <laughs> There's this is the steep. If this is going to be some sort of brilliant defensive setup that he's putting together, it's a steep learning curve. <laughs> My God, they're just standing thirty meters away from their direct opponent. <laughs> be like, I wonder if they're going to kick it to me instead of him. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's it's messy and it's it's not working at the moment. It's at all. So um, we'll see if it uh, sort of changes or improves or uh, gee, I don't know. But uh, yeah, North is struggling. North are North are struggling. Um, they got St Kilda on Sunday. Can't see Saints losing this one. Um, but at least for North's sake, St Kilda won't belt them. St Kilda haven't been uh, you know dominant in terms of scoring. This year, they've been dominant in terms of defence. So, um, yeah, it won't be another shellacking from North, but gee whiz, they they got to sharpen up defensively. It's a it's a fucking mess. Um, I mean, Melbourne was sort of, you know, allowed to play with their food a little bit here, but Petrarca and Oliver, just freakish. Oliver's numbers, again, unbelievable. Petrarca, 35, I think it was, and three goals, like... Just stop it. Stop it. It's just so is mean. It's the poor kangaroobies just getting fucked. <laughs> oh, gee whiz. They're impressive, those two. They are seriously impressive. Um, Something that we sort of saw happen last year, and it's even more interesting to talk about this year with the extra game, because last year, North and West Coast won four games between them. So two teams at the bottom of the ladder just winning next to no games, right? This year, so at the moment, the bottom four teams have won, what, five and a half games between them? No, hang on, North have won two. No, is that right? Yeah, f yeah, f yeah, so West Coast and Hawthorne have won one each. Richmond have won one and a half and North have won two. So the bottom four teams have won five and a half games between them. Now, I don't know what the rest of Richmond's year is going to look like, but I think it's safe to say that North, Hawthorne and West Coast are not going to win too many more games. They're probably going to end the year with less than 10 games between them, let's say. Um, are you going to need... Because obviously this year with the extra game, you're probably going to need either 13 in good percentage or 14 wins to make finals. It might end up being 14, I should say, in a normal year. With all of these teams struggling pretty hard, there's going to be a lot of teams with probably an extra win or two than they would have had in a more even season, if that makes sense. So, you know, to make... Because there'll be a number of teams who, you know, play... 
at least one of these struggling teams twice. Some of them will play two of them twice. I don't think there's, I doubt there's any that play three twice. Um, excuse me. Um, so there's going to be teams, you know, maybe sort of around the middle of the ladder that end up with an extra win or two teams at the top end of the ladder that maybe end up with an extra win or two. So are you actually going to need 14 to 15 wins to guarantee your spot in the eight with 23 games this year and this, and this, you know, really the bottom sort of falling out of the ladder with West coast, North Melbourne and Hawthorne, not winning too many games we could have a team that wins 14 games and doesn't make the eight easily. I think there might be more than one team who wins 14 games and doesn't make the eight, which is crazy. That's crazy. It, I th- I, I, it, it might not. I think it actually ended up not being too dramatic last year because there was some teams sort of around the middle of also the bottom part of the eight who dropped a couple of games late. And that sort of evened it out a little bit. Let's have a sip of my tea. Um, so it might not happen, but gee whiz, we could. Like, if you want, if you want to just not have to worry about making the eight, Carlton. <laughs> I'm looking at you. Get to 15 wins, and you can be safe. If you're on 14, you might not be, which is crazy. Crazy to think about. Um, West Coast and Carlton. Gee, Carlton just... I didn't even mean to do that. Carlton. <laughs> I didn't mean to say it like that. Carlton. Um, Jesus fucking Christ. 108 points. My God. Just flexing their, their scoring ability a little bit. They needed this sort of win, Carlton, because they'd been... They had the bad loss to St Kilda. They had, you know, they started the season with a few wins, but they were unconvincing. And then they go to Perth, not Perth. They go to Adelaide, belted by the Crows as well. So they needed um, a convincing win for their fans, and they got it. They got it. Charlie, nine goals. I'm going to start entering the conversation in round seven about whether. Kerno or Cameron can finish the year with a hundred goals. Um, obviously, at the moment, it's mathematically possible. They're both tracking um, with the right numbers, but you know, it as the year goes on, as winter sets in, um, games will just sort of, on average, be slightly lower scoring. There'll still be plenty of high scoring games, but just on average, it'll it'll go down a little bit. Teams as teams get tired. Um, if, if, what I'll say is this, if either of them can get two or three games into September, I don't think either of them will, but if either of them can, I think a hundred goals is on the cards for sure. If, if they're playing in, if they get all the way to the grand final, definitely a possibility prelim final, also a possibility, um, but it's great to see them scoring so much. Like what's what's I think Kerno's on thirty something. Cameron's very close behind, so um, it is exciting. And and as we sort of get to like round eighteen, nineteen, twenty, and they're on like 
you know, maybe high 70s, you know, oh, who knows? Um, who knows? It is exciting. Um, interesting thing with Carlton is what they're doing with De Koning. So he got, he was managed last week, plays VFL this week and gets injured. So now he's been injured playing in the twos. And, you know, there's a lot of talk about him moving clubs at the end of the year. Is it wise to have dropped him? Him getting hurt is out of your control, but is it wise to have dropped him? Was it tactical? Are they dropping him to try and convince other clubs that maybe he's not as good as everyone thinks? Um, was it to try and motivate him? He Like, he wasn't playing that well. He's like, okay. But to drop him and now he's, you know, it's, it's just, it, it's a watch this space sort of situation, I think, with Deconing. It's very interesting. Um, West Coast, oh, my God. Just one of the most horrible. Their injury crisis is worse this year than it was last year, I think, honestly. And it's all of their best players. Like, Shuey, he he does a soft tissue. He comes back for a week. He does an ankle. Uh, McGovern does, does a soft tissue, comes back for a week, does another soft tissue. All the, like Nat Nui, how many games has he played in the last four years? Like it, they got so many of their superstars who were flying when the club was flying four or five years ago, and they just can't get on the park. They just can't. So I think they got to bite the bullet, Simo, the club. They got to bite the bullet and go hard rebuild. They've still got like a dozen or more. No, probably no. Nah, wouldn't be more. Might be about twelve players on their list who were part of that premiership side. And then you add like, you know, Nat Nui and Gaff who missed out. So, and and some of them are still not that old. Like Sheed's only 28. You know, I think Gaff's only just turned 30. You got the ones who are a little bit older, like Nat Nui's in his 30s now and you know, is probably coming to the end. But that those guys like Sheed and Gaff, even Ryan is probably 28 as well, I think, maybe 29. Um, those guys are tradable. I know that they're, they're superstars for the club, very, very important, but they are tradable, right? And and the Eagles need to go hard rebuild. Now, this list, if, if they keep, like, you know, recruiting and drafting and, and just operating like they're a finals contending side, they won't play finals for 10 more years. They just won't. I think they need to go hard rebuild, not as hard as North and Hawthorne have done in the past. I'm not saying boot out all of these experienced players, but maybe pick like three of them. Because they still got plenty. They've still got, like, McGovern's going to go on for another year or two, how many fucking games he plays, who knows. They've still got guys like Cripps and, you know, these sort of, and Darling, like these sort of guys who you can hang on to and they play out their, like, the next couple of years and they finish up, you know, as Eagles players. But take someone like Gaff, um, you know, who there was interest in him a few years ago and then he re-signed, but now he's 30 and, you know, he's not playing in another final series at the Eagles. There's no way. So, you know, does he, is he tempted by, you know, potential success at a Victorian club? Or does he want to go to, you know, a Hawthorne 
I think I suggested him a couple of weeks ago as a good target for them and, and help a developing side, maybe, you know, maybe just sneak into finals at the end of his career. I don't know. But just some something like that. Take two or three of their pretty good players, send them to other clubs, and get good draft picks. You're not getting, you know, a first rounder for Andrew Gaff, but maybe you can get a second rounder. Just they don't they don't need to top up with the absolute best talent, but just bolstering their next couple of drafts with an extra second rounder here, an extra third rounder here. Maybe they can, you know, maybe they go even harder. Maybe they go super hard and, you know, they. I don't even know who they could trade out, who's feasible, you know, to be traded out, who they can get a first rounder for. But maybe they package, I don't know, maybe you package up a, an, an Andrew Gaff with a second rounder for a first rounder. I don't know. But something like that just to really get this rebuild going because they're going to tread water for a few years if they don't start right now. And look, who knows what's going to happen with Simo. And you know that, and his and his job, but they're just they're screwed. They're they're in so like all of these players, their bodies are falling apart. And you see, like sometimes players who are injury prone going to a new club and just being in a different um, environment helps fix it up. Sometimes it doesn't. Look at Dan Hanabry; he just his body just never got right. Um, but sometimes it does help. So, I don't know. I feel bad for the Eagles fans because, like, their team's not bad, but they just, I don't think they've, you know, they've been able to field more than half of what their best side would look like look like at any point this year. So, yeah, that, that, that would be my recommendation. Begin the hard rebuild this year. Maybe, I don't know, I'm stop theorizing, but you sort of get what I'm saying. And I think it would be effective. Let's talk. Uh, let's talk another one of the close games from the round. Let's talk crows and pies. Oh, the pies again, Collingwood. You got to be ten goals in front against Collingwood to feel safe. You can't, anything inside six goals in the last quarter is achievable for them. Seriously, like. It's unbelievable how they just do it every single time. Now, this time, the margin wasn't that big. It was achievable. But Adelaide had led for the whole game. The whole game. They'd played a lot better in patches than Collingwood had. But Collingwood just... The the, the culture of belief and, you know, this unbelievably effective system... That McRae has has put together just it's you gotta be impressed, hate them or not, think about them whatever you want. You gotta be so impressed with how they're going. The la- the last well the last twenty two games, basically from the middle of last year where they just got on that roll, and you know oh it they they are fucking amazing. <laughs> they're so amazing. Collingwood, you feel you feel for the Crows though and their fans. Like this was a big scalp that was about to happen, and then they just they got pied. <laughs> they got pied. It's what it's happened to everybody. And, well, not everybody, but it's happened to a lot of a lot of clubs. St Kilda nearly did the opposite. St Kilda nearly pied the pies. 
um, but not quite. No one can really do it like Collingwood can do it. Those last minutes, just just Johnson being aware of the whole situation of the game to tap that ball over his head and level the scores. Very, very clever. I'm pretty sure it was on Jordan Dawson as well. So if he had tried to keep that ball in and try and pull something off, Dawson was going to cream him. So very, very smart um, from him. And just oh, noble, that goal. What a what a great goal from someone who doesn't kick a lot of goals. That was fantastic. And side bottom, I wonder if he deliberately kicked that behind. Did he do that on purpose? Because a goal takes the ball to the middle and then there's, what was it, 22 seconds or something for Adelaide to get it from the middle to kick a goal or score to level it. So... Um, kicking a point obviously made it very, very, very difficult for the Crows to do that. So I wonder if Sidebottom just did that on purpose. Um, and the Crows as well, that they nearly got it through. They nearly did that last, you know, attempt along the wing, which is the way they had to go, by the way. A lot of people said, why don't you go up the middle? Because you can see from that kick out, that's where all the Collingwood players were. They knew that's where they would want to go. It's the fastest way through the middle. So they blocked it up. So, you know, well done. Um, but well done to the Crows for seeing that and then going up the wing. And they nearly got through um, just a little, I think it was Rochelle, just had to hit that handball rather than going the kick to the Collingwood numbers. Um, but that's that's how Adelaide will learn. They're still developing and improving. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a learning experience for them and for many clubs who come up against the pies in how it's fucking done. <laughs> Jesus. Um, the umpiring oh, was fucking not good. Not good. The Murphy one was not good. The, um, God, I'm, so, I'm so burpy. I'm always so burpy when I do the pod. I'm not normally this burpy just in general conversation. I think it's because it's just constant talking. And my like body doesn't get a chance to take in some air and just have a break. So it's sort of like the gases sort of start to build up and bleh, out they come. Um, but yeah, the Ash Johnson hold in the square as well. That is a, that's a most obvious missed free kick I've ever seen. Oh, um, so that was really poor. So I'm, I'm, in that respect, I'm glad Collingwood still won. Cause if those, you know, that Ash Johnson one doesn't get paid and then Adelaide win by a point or whatever, then the umpires have got something to answer for seriously. We can't have shit umpiring affecting again. And while we're on umpiring, the AFL will scream this until the cows come home and the, the four umpires are working. I think it's a fucking mess. I think it's a disaster. The number of times every week that I see two umpires calling different things for the same play. And the player's gone, well, what, what do you want us to do? It's it's a joke. It's a joke. There was, uh, it might have been, it might have been the Carlton St. Kilda game. I think it was the, or it was against Collingwood the week before the St. Kilda game where there was a kick coming inside 50, I think it was for St. Kilda, and it was touched off the boot. And the umpire who was next to where the ball was kicked from calls touched. The umpire who's in side 50 doesn't hear or see that that's happening. The ball comes in. St. Kilda player takes the mark, I believe, from memory, and the mark is paid. 
yeah? And, and that sort of stuff, it's not affecting any games yet, but it's happening a lot. I'm seeing it multiple times every week. So yeah, I don't think it's working. Or if it is, you know, they need to fucking sharpen. If they're going to stick with it, they got to sharpen it up because the umpires are confused about who is officiating what and, you know, what is what free is more important than it. Like, oh, it's not good. It's really, really not good. And yeah, gee whiz. I'm, like, I know they're trying to make it easier. They're trying to lessen the load on the umpires, but oh, gee whiz, it's... It's it's not a disaster, but it has the potential to be for sure. And while we're on this, just bounce it at the start of every quarter. I don't. It doesn't need to be a discussion. At the start of every start of every quarter, start of every game on its own. I don't think is enough. I think to start every quarter with a bounce is fine. I think that's all we need. And then every time, just throw it up. And if that initial bounce at the start of a quarter doesn't work, you just throw it up. Whatever, that's fine. You'll get. Way, 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 way less recalled bounces and time saved. So just bounce it at the start of every quarter. Fucking start it this week. I don't care. We're all sick of it. We're sick of it. Some umpires just can't bounce the ball well enough nine or ten times out of ten. They just can't. That's okay. It's fucking hard to do and it hurts your shoulders. So just just give them a break. Start of every quarter. Done. I'm talking to you, Dill. <laughs> New new boss, make it happen. Um, they're going to have to fill his role as well. Who's actually who's the and that person will actually be responsible for this kind of shit. But make it happen. Um, the crows tagged Dacos. They did it. Keys. A lot of talk about this happening in the lead up to the game, and then they did it. They went with the keys tag, um, and and I think it was effective. Like Dacos still had twenty five. But that's because he was playing off half back. Um, his his kicking efficiency, I think, was down from eighty something to fifty something. Um, he had a lot less impact on. He didn't have zero impact on the game, but he had a lot less impact on the game. He, you know, would look for that. He'd run past a player having a kick, looking for that handball received, but Keys was there, so they couldn't do that. So I thought that was a very effective uh, blueprint for other clubs on how to attempt this. You've got to have the right player. Keys is the perfect player to do this. Um, so it'd be interesting to see if other clubs attempt this, because you have to. You have to try. If it doesn't work, whatever. And look, Collingwood still won the game, but Adelaide nearly won the game. So... You have to try. You just, you just have to. Um, and Adelaide again. You've got to kick straight. You just have to kick straight. 7-16. They had a chance to put this game to bed early. The margin could have been a lot more than it ever was if they just kicked a little bit straighter. So that's something they've got to work on. It's, co it's cost them a couple of games now. I think round one, they also were very, very poor in front of goal. So... That's something they can improve. They're still not perfect, the Crows, but they're playing very good football. Like, you know, good enough to be playing finals, in my opinion. Um, let's talk about St Kilda and Port Adelaide. Pretty disappointing result for the Saints, obviously. Um, but I will give an enormous amount of credit to Port Adelaide. You know, coming up with a way to get through St Kilda's defence that worked really well. 
Um, I was really, I was, I was seriously impressed by Port Adelaide. Seriously impressed. Um, I knew that they were good, but this was a coaching, bit of coaching brilliance from Ken Hinckley. I think he and his club are really just humming along at the moment. I think he'll be very happy with how they're going. Um, yeah, I was impressed by Port Adelaide across the board, and they play very well at Marvel Stadium, which is good. It's good to have, you know, it's good if you're an interstate club, whether it's at the MCG or at Marvel, to play well when you come to Victoria. Um, the Jason Horn Francis stuff, I'm tired of it. Just the, the Saints fans who were at the game, who booed him, fucking well done, you played yourselves, because he was best on ground. He got 10 coaches' votes. He tore St Kilda to pieces. And you booed the shit out of him and it made not one fucking bit of difference. If you are a St Kilda fan who booed him, if you're a whoever you are from throughout the whole year who's booed him, you're a fucking idiot. You are an idiot. You're a sheep. Other people booed him or boo him too. I don't know why I don't like him, but I'm just going to boo him just because... And St Kilda fans especially, with the stuff we're trying to do with Spud's game, you should be fucking ashamed of yourself. Should be ashamed of yourself. He is a kid who's playing very good football. He didn't vibe with the first club that he was at. Um, yes, he, he may have been a little bit childish about some things, but he's a child. How about that? And now he's at a club that he's enjoying being at and he's playing very well. Unless he does something that is booable, stop booing him. And other clubs coming up against Port Adelaide, take it as a warning, right? He was booed and he played very well. So it doesn't really affect him on field. Unfortunately, it might be affecting him off field, which is way worse. So just stop it. Stop it please. Um, yeah, St Kilda, five-day break is always tough. I still thought we were going to be able to win. We just had that second quarter was poor, very poor. They really opened us up. I think they kicked five unanswered goals or four unanswered goals and, and took the lead in that quarter. It's our first goalless quarter for the year. So yeah, that, that was really where the game was lost. The game was pretty even outside of that. Um, but you know, we, 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 keep learning and a um, bit of bit of controversy during the week around our head conditioning guy, Walsh, who's departed the club, not, not um, getting on very well with Ross, uh, which I think is interesting. I'm sure Ross was probably not happy about, uh, for example, Jack Hayes, who's eight weeks into a 10 to 12 week injury and is still 10 to 12 weeks away and now has injured himself again. Same with players like Caulfield. Um, so, you know, I, I would say that Ross would have had legitimate gripes. Um, the fact that Walsh felt so hard done by that he decided to quit effective immediately is pretty full on. Um, but they'll find another person to fill that role, uh, soonish. And I don't, I don't think it'll affect us too much. It's very exciting that, um, King is on the verge of return. Jones is on the verge of return. Billings is on the verge of return. Um, Webster only a couple of weeks away as well. So we're getting a lot closer to what looks like our best team. I think really from where we are with our available side, obviously King to come back in, Webster to come back in. 
I don't know where Billings and Jones are at, so I will exclude them from this, but I think King in and Webster in for Cordy and for probably Patton at the moment. And I think that's our best side. I really do. I don't know if Billings is in or Jones and McKenzie is another player who's just so injured a lot. Last year, he was 100% in our best side. Don't know for sure at the moment. Um, but yeah, we're actually not that far away from fielding our best team, which is exciting. So um, yeah, good things to look forward to. Just one player I want to highlight for St. Kilda, Clark. Hunter Clark finally just has spent the whole year playing on ball this year. Um now under Lenny Hayes, he's having an awesome year. His, his ball use is elite. He's kicking a couple of goals. Um, he just he just cuts through traffic like like a knife through butter. He's just playing really really well. So I'm very happy with how he's going. Okay, Essendon and Geelong. I did tip Essendon to win this one. This is where I was sort of counting on Geelong falling in a big heap again. Geelong is starting to make me and David King and a few others look a little bit silly <laughs> because of how well they're playing. I said they were done after round three. A lot of people said they were done. I've got to stick with it. I don't care if they win the next 10 in a row. I've got to stick with it. They're done. <laughs> they're done. <laughs> um, no chance. They're still not making finals. Maybe, <laughs> maybe they're in the eight at the moment. <laughs> um, since since round three, they've averaged twenty goals a game, so they can't really be playing much much better. <laughs> um, which you can't ignore that they are absolutely destroying every team they come up against. Essendon were actually quite good in this game. Geelong just blitzed them in the first quarter. Geelong had six goals on the board before Essendon could even blink. It happened so quick, and then. From that point on, the game was basically even. So if Essendon had like been awake from the opening bounce, it could have been one of the games of the year. Geelong just... And they know this. They know they can blow a side away in one quarter, and then they just have to maintain. And and that's what they did. And it's, it's, their, it's their, you know, their old superstars. It's Hawkins, eight goals, which I cannot believe is a career best. Dangerfield, having... Also an All-Australian level season, playing only like 65% game time. His numbers for only being on the ground two-thirds of the time are unbelievable. Um, and Cameron as well is having you know an unbelievable year, second in the Coleman. And yeah, as I said, Essendon just had to, had to be switched on a little bit earlier and they would have been right in this game. Sam Wiedemann played some game, five goals. He, he was fantastic. Best game he's played for the Bombers so far in his short time there. Um, really good game from him. Really good game. Um, yeah, not much else to say about this, except I just I just need Geelong to start to slip a little bit. Otherwise, I'm going to look like a fucking idiot. Okay. Last three games. Let's talk Lions and Fremantle. All right. You've got to give credit to Fremantle for whatever that was <laughs> that they were doing. <laughs> Just it's called football. You can kick it if you want. You don't have to. You know, it was so silly, wasn't it? Silly looking how they were just 
Now they were just trying to handball at every opportunity and Brisbane realized what were happening and they just started to close in every time and the pressure. It's easy to apply pressure on a team that doesn't want to kick the ball because they've got no escape. The furthest you can pass the ball is 20 meters and then like you don't have to run very far to chase and continue to put pressure on. So it was pretty easy for Brisbane in the end, but I like that Fremantle are at least trying to move the ball in a faster and slightly different way. Um, maybe, maybe whatever this is that they're trying with all these handballs will work in like three weeks when they've had a bit more practice. Like this, they are like in the middle of probably doing a preseason now because they've had to change their game style to try and win games. Um, but yeah, God, it was it was interesting to watch. That's all I'll say about that. And I think Brisbane quite enjoyed playing against it, and was very were very effective in uh, closing that shit down. Um, Fife on the verge of return, apparently. When he comes back in, whether that's this week or next week, where's he going to play? They're going to put him forward again, where he'll kick no goals and have no impact. Or are they going to put him on the ball to help with their contested ground ball woes? Who knows? That'll be interesting. Oh, fuck me. I'm so burpy. Um, Lockie Neal is a fucking monster. He was unbelievable. Sometimes he just has a game like this. Probably like once every five or six weeks, he has a game like this where you're just reminded that he's, you know, he's in the... He's, when we're talking midfielders, he's top five in the competition. You know, there's only three years ago he won a Brownlow medal. 35 touches, 24 of them contested. Good grief. Those are some numbers. Um, Yeah, he was very, very good in this game. Again, not coming up against incredibly stiff opposition with you know guys like Brayshaw for Fremantle, pretty out of form. This year, but you cannot deny the caliber of the game that Neil put together. Um, Brisbane. Brisbane, Brisbane, Brisbane. Flying at the moment. I, I, I thought that this was going to be their year. I thought they win the premiership this year. You add Dunkley, you add Gunston, you draft Will Ashcroft, who, by the way, has kicked goal of the year already. My goodness me. That was impressive. And then Michael Walters in the same game, also with a very, very good goal. I didn't mention it last week, but Charlie Cameron's goal that came off the side of his boot, no way in a billion trillion years he was deliberately kicking that through the goals. He was trying to get it onto his boot, but that went through by luck. It went through by luck. Um, so yeah, Brisbane make the additions and the changes to their side. That And, you know, guys like Connor McKenna as well. Um they make those additions and changes in the off-season to an already very good team. They need to win the Premiership this year. I was just looking ahead at the four games they have between now and the bye. Obviously, Carlton on Friday night at Marvel, they have to win that game. I think they will, but they just absolutely have to, right? Then they got Essendon at home again. Bit of a danger game. Not too much, though, I don't think. I think they'll win that. Then they go Suns at home in the Q Clash. That won't be too difficult for them, you don't think. But then a challenge right before the bye. Crows at the Adelaide Oval. That'll be a cracking game. They should. Adelaide, maybe not. But they should win all four of those games. 
should. And then they continue on that trajectory. They need to finish in the top four. They just have to. Um, Bit of a bumpy start to the year, but they are really flying at the moment. So, you know, I think... I think they'll be able to continue on this form. But yeah, it's just interesting to see, you know, all, all the, those few games that could, you know, in the right circumstances, be like a 50-50 game. Carlton, Essendon, both playing pretty well. Um, they just have to win those games. And if they can go to Adelaide and beat Adelaide, um, they'll quickly find themselves as the third seed in this competition behind Melbourne and Collingwood. That is for sure. Let's talk Dogs and Hawks. Pretty good win by the Dogs here. Bontempelli's 200th game. He's already played 200 games. I'm old enough that I remember his first year. Fuck, I'm only 27. <laughs> and I, I can't believe I can remember the entire career of someone who's played 200 fucking games. Um, I remember his first year when he kicked, I think he ended up winning goal of the year when he, you know, when he was in the pocket and he picked up the ball, then he stepped back and forth and then he dropped the ball and was like half tackled. And he dropped it again, he picked it up and he spun around and then he kicked the goal. He nearly hit the ceiling at Marvel Stadium. Um, that was in his first year that he did that. And, and now he's... Premiership player, I think he's four or five time All Australian. He's captain of the club for a few years now. He's an unbelievable player. He's at the moment he's the best midfielder in the competition. Um, he's just playing awesome football, and the Dogs are just—they've found their groove in the last month. Um, been really happy with how they're going. They've switched up. They've gone back to the sort of. 2016 style of having Jason Johannesson come off halfback and Caleb Daniels sort of, he's not, he wasn't really playing sort of half forward. He was really like, you can look at his heat map. He was all over the ground, but just changing that up and just subtracting at all from the team. The fact that Darcy hasn't been playing and it helps that Bruce has been injured as well, but just that, that worry that I had about their, they being way too tall was true. It wasn't working. And and I said this way back and I think it was round one, right? You can have three tools at either end, but when you have one on the bench that rotates in, it's too many. When, when there is at no point less than three at either end, it doesn't work. Now, when they have three forwards, three defenders and the Ruckman as their tools, it works. English goes off the ground and whoever, lob, whoever, goes into this ruck. You've subtracted a tall from the forward line. You're now more mobile, right? Or one of the talls from the forward line goes to the bench. They are not then replaced by another tall, yeah? So this is a lot, and it, like it doesn't sound like a big difference, but it is. Having times in a game, brief though they are, where you don't have three 200 centimeter players at both ends of the ground and one in the ruck. It just makes a huge difference. And you can see it in, in how they're playing better football. It's, it's, you know, as clear as day. So I was bloody, I was fucking right about something. <laughs> I can say that I was, I've been right about something. Oh, that I've said this year. Um, Hawthorne, very competitive. They're going to be competitive in, in plenty of games. Um, yeah, like I said, they're playing 
the right type of football. It will just take them a little bit of time. I think if you're a Hawks fan, you're pretty happy with how they're going. A few more wins would be nice. I don't know how many are going to come this year. Um, but yeah, I, I like how they're sort of starting to go about it as they sort of, as, as Sam sort of figures out what his team is going to be. Um, Will Day as well, one of the best young players in the competition. He's having a very good year. And this was a very, 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 very good game. Um, Richmond and Gold Coast to finish up. Richmond. Don't like playing at Marvel, hey? <laughs> Don't like going to the Darklands. <laughs> that was about the stupidest thing Dimmer has done in his, enti- in his entire career as a head coach. Like two or three years ago, whenever it was, when he said, I, I hate coming here. I hate coming to this stadium that the AFL owns. I hate it. <laughs> you stupid child, Dimmer. Oh, my God. Um, and they haven't won there since. And Gold Coast have beaten them twice there since. <laughs> so um, this is great. By the Suns. Oh, embarrassing for Richmond. They're in shambles. They're in absolute shambles. Under the roof, they've kicked six goals. In what should, In what are... Perfect conditions for football. Six goals. So, I mean, granted, Gold Coast only kicked 11. This was not a very high-scoring game. But Richmond, whoever... Oh, they're amazing, Richmond. They're going to play finals again, myself included. I thought you add Taranto, you add Hopper to a team that's already, like, pretty good. How, how do you not make finals again? This is how. I don't know what the fuck is going on, but they're a mess they're a dumpster fire. Richmond, one and a half wins for the year. For the year. We're seven weeks in. My goodness me. Who have they got this week? Who have they got in round eight? Let me have a quick look while I also don't break conversation with myself. West Coast at the G. That will be a win. You fucking hope. <laughs> that'll be a win. So that'll be their second win for the year. What is, what's the rest of their... And then they got Geelong at the G. They're not winning that. Uh, and then they've got Essendon at the G. Oh, that that'll be that's um the the Dreamtime game, isn't it? They got Essendon at the G. They won't win that the way Essendon are going at the moment. And then they've got Port Adelaide at the G. I don't think they're going to win that. And then they've got the Giants in Sydney. They were not not, not winning that either. So uh, and then Fremantle in Perth. Who knows where the the Dockers will be at that point. And then they got St Kilda at the G, so it just gets worse and worse and worse, <laughs> worse for Richmond. Uh, I mean, they had their, they had, they got their three premierships. Any Richmond fans talking about this can shut up. Just, just be glad you have some recent premiership success and shut up. Um, Gold Coast, um, not a totally dominant win, but good to get the four points. Good to get the four points away from home. They don't win away from Metricon very often. Um, but the, you know, this, who knows, maybe this will be the start of a bit of momentum that the Suns can build. Maybe just start to find a bit of consistent form, maybe save Stuart Jew's job. Who knows? Um, a number of their players playing very well at the moment. Anderson and Rao playing fantastic. Matt Rao is just, I've said this before, he's turning himself into just a contested machine. He's tackling everything. He's just putting his head over the ball. He is, he is a pure honest footballer. He's reminding me a bit of Joel Selwood, the way that he's playing at the moment, which is obviously pretty high praise. 
Um, Powell as well, very, very good game. Wits, very good game as well from the old fella. Game 150 coming up this weekend. It's been around for a long time. Um, obviously, like Ruckman don't rack up the games often like you know other players can. So really good effort to get to 150 games. Um, Max King is playing very well last two weeks. Five goals last week, four goals this week. Um, be good if like like it's great if he can start to you know be counted on for three plus goals every week. But Gold Coast also don't want to run into the same problem that Sydney are having in being too reliant on their big man up forward. Chole has had a pretty quiet year um, relative to how he how brilliant he was last year. So if they can you know sort of maybe share the load a little bit more in terms of scoring with you know. Someone like a Chole or a Lacocious, you know, if if those three guys, let's say King, Chole, Lacocious, are all kicking two goals plus every week, I think that's a much healthier, you know, scoreline than one of them. It's often going to be King, I would say, kicking four or five goals. So maybe that's what the, the Suns can work on, but it's good for them to get the win. That is all the games analyzed now it's time for my big call that's not my big call why have i got that written down why have i got this written down i've already said this maybe i wrote my big call down yeah i think i did i wrote my big call down before i wrote down a lot of the rest of my notes what i've got written down here is my big call is eagles trade big this year which is what i suggested they do like half an hour ago so I'm just going to pause and I'll come back immediately with what my actual big call is. Bear with me. This is terrible prep. Okay, I've got a pretty good one here. I was having a look at the ladder the other day, actually, and I was thinking about this, right? So we're at round seven. We know that after this point in the year, often there isn't a whole lot of change to what the top eight looks like at the end of the year. Obviously, last year, there was a bit of change. St. Kilda and Carlton both in the top four at the buy and both fell out, right? Um, but I think this year, so at the moment, the top eight looks like this. Collingwood, Melbourne, St Kilda, Brisbane, Port, Carlton, Geelong, Adelaide. I think there will be one change from that when it, when it comes to September. I think the dogs will come in and I think the cats will come out. That is my prediction. That is my big call for this week. Only one change from the current top eight to what it looks like after round 24. That's my big call for this year. Dogs in, cats out. That'll be it. Right? Oh, God. Speaking of... Oi! God, speaking of the dogs, I think it's time to feed them. All right. Thanks heaps for... Oi! Shut the fuck up. Stop it! Stop! Goodness me. Thanks heaps for listening, guys. Remember to like and subscribe. Uh, comment, leave a review, all those fun things. As I said last week, um, I'm going away next week. So this will be the last podcast you get, uh, until June going to America, which will be a lot of fun. Going to see some friends. Very, very good. I'll still be watching plenty of football. Maybe not plenty. I'll still be watching football, um, when I can. And what I think I'm going to do, this is my sort of final idea. Um, after, after each game, I will make a post just briefly 
giving my thoughts. They'll be very brief. They will come after each game. I'll still be posting my tips every week and, and doing other things, but yeah, I won't be uh, as present or as up-to-date in all football things because I'll be traveling. I'm not going to do a bloody podcast while I'm on a holiday. So uh, goodbye for now. You will hear my voice again come June. Thanks very much for listening. Bye.